Now, we'll turn to the Word of God. <laughs> Remember that we are <clears throat> looking at the, the Psalms. Uh, it's, we've been in here for a while, since May. And we have basically been looking at them through themes and looking at a variety of Psalms that coordinate with that theme. So the first, the first um, theme was that of the godly man and the flourishing person as it's described in Psalm 1. We looked at a variety of psalms that speak of that. Then secondly, we looked at the, the kingdom of God and the coming king, as he is described in the psalms, and that is, coordinates with Psalm 2. Then Psalm 3 and 4, we began to see a different theme, which is how we struggle before the Lord and find the peace that he has for us. So as we looked at in July... And then July 31st, we actually began with Psalm 33, where we began looking at psalms of praise that focus on declaring the glory and wonder of who God is. And so um, we're going to be doing that today. Again, we're going to continue on the theme, looking at some of the psalms that really focus our attention on who God is and his glory. And certainly one of the most beautiful of those psalms is Psalm 103. And you probably heard it in one form or another, but we're going to look at it and give it attention today with the Lord's help. So let's listen in God's holy word to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 of David. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious Slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. O Lord, indeed, you are mighty and infinite and awesome and glorious and wondrous above all things. 
You know all things and have created all things. You sustain them by your power. You are with us in all places. And yet, though you are so high above us, yet you have compassion on us. You take an interest in us. You have come to speak to us. You have revealed yourself to us in your creation. And we praise you, O Lord, that we can know you, that we can understand your words, and that by your grace we can come to know you better. And so, Lord, through this passage, we pray, O Lord, that we might see a greater vision of who you are, and so give you glory and praise and be encouraged in our souls as we speak to our souls today to call ourselves out of our sluggishness, out of our busyness, to reflect on the glory and the wonder of the Lord our God. And so, Lord, it's in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. So this past uh, week, I had a great time <coughs> Excuse me, in Bogota, but, uh, and I enjoyed, enjoyed being there with my daughter and having time. But, you know, about the middle of the week, I, I felt like I was really separated from the Lord. And uh, it's, you get those times, and all of a sudden you start to wonder, am I even a Christian? You know, does, do I actually believe in the Lord? And, I mean, crazy stuff comes into your head. And uh, it's just, and I hadn't done anything, like, I hadn't done anything particularly wrong as far as I know. You know, but it was just like a sense of where, where, where am I? Who am I? Where is the Lord? And um, so I got up early in the morning, and I went out of our room into a little common area to read. And I knew I was going to be preaching on this psalm. And, and, I, and it was like the psalmist here is speaking to his soul, but it was like a call to speak to my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so I began thinking of all the good things that the Lord had done for me, all the ways he had led me, all the ways he'd been there for me, all the ways he'd helped me in the past, that he'd forgiven my sins, that he'd continually filled me with good things. And all of a sudden, it was like the light was shining. It was like the Lord, as I spoke to my soul, the Lord was speaking to my soul. And once again, I was renewed in my sense of who he is, and who he is for me. And I think that that's what this psalm can do for each one of us, is it can call us back to not only a recognition of God, but to see that God wants to be with us, that God is for us, that he wants to have a relationship with us, that he cares about us, that he has an interest with us, <coughs> in us. And it's almost like, in this psalm, it's almost like you shouldn't even preach on it. It's so clear, it's so obvious that the goodness of the Lord, the words are so strong that you almost want to just read it and be done with it. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to go through it. <clears throat> and we're going to look at the way David talks to himself. <clears throat> Notice that he is, he is talking to himself. He's saying he's speaking to someone, but he's speaking to himself, to his soul. And, you know, that's what we do. We do talk to ourselves. It's not a crazy thing. We communicate to ourselves, and it's good to know what are the messages that we are telling ourselves. It's good to reflect on that. But then it's also good to know what are the messages that we should share with ourselves. And this passage tells us the sorts of things we should speak to our own soul. And so I want you to see here in four points, self-talk of God's blessings Self-talk of God's goodness, self-talk of God's faithfulness, and then talking to others of God's goodness. And that'll just follow the contours. 
the, the shape of this psalm. So first, let's look at self-talk of God's blessing. Now, God commands us to praise him. He tells us that we are called to give him the honor and glory that is due to his name. He is worthy of it for who he is. We should recognize it. We owe it to him. And also, he has blessed us with so many things. So it's a command. But here you see, it's like the, the psalmist is echoing that command and commanding his own soul, his own heart and mind to praise the Lord. He's calling him to bless the Lord, to declare his glory, to say that he is good, to say that he is wonderful. And then he's saying, praise the Lord and remember all that he's done. See how good he is in himself and see all the good that he has done for you. Forget not all his benefits. And we need to do this. It's a call to ourselves because it's something we need. We have a tendency to forget the good things that have happened. Um, One of the practices I've done through the years is to, at the end of the week, kind of make a list of some of the best things that have happened to me. Just good things. Not necessarily like, you know, just the daily, like I got to enjoy this good meal. I I sat down with this friend. I, I was able to go exercise. Things like that. All these things that are good, that are kind of daily things, And it's amazing how many I've forgotten by the end of the week if I don't reflect on it. We have a tendency to forget. Now, one of the, one of the, sometimes though, it's not just that we forget, but we've forgotten because it's hard to even see the things that are actually there. And so, one of the things that I found that traveling has done for me is enable me to see the good things that I have in my life. One of the things that I've become profoundly thankful for is clean running water. And, uh, and in many places of the world, they don't have that. And you can go there, and if you drink from it, like I did when I was in Cancun, Mexico, you will experience what they called La Venganza de Montezuma, and the Revenge of Montezuma, which I experienced the entire night. And uh, it, was not, it was not good. <laughs> And uh, so don't drink from the tap if you're in Mexico. However, when you go to Bogota, which I'm sure you all will, um, then you can drink from the tap. And it's like, this is, I was like, when I found that out, you can drink from the tap. I was like, yes, this makes things so much easier because I drink a lot of water. I don't have to worry about it. I can just brush my teeth with that. No problem. It's a big deal. It's something, but we take for granted. But you know, a couple weeks ago, we had that accident at the plant. And, and the, uh, the, water got, the water got contaminated, or they, they didn't know. If it might have been contaminated, it might have been not. All the restaurants had to shut down. They couldn't bring any soda. You know, they had to buy all the uh, Chick-fil-A with its location next to Walmart, went and bought all the water bottles they could to bring over there. Uh, it's a huge blessing, but that's how blessings are. We don't see the good that we have. And so this is why we have to call our soul to pay attention to the good things that we have. So, you know, there are many problems in the world. And one of the things the Bible never says to us, ignore the problems. Pretend like everything's okay. But what it calls us to is thanksgiving, which enables us in the midst of our problems to also see the good things. It's a lot easier a lot of times to see the bad rather than the good. And so we have to take some time, even a little, to reflect 
on the goodness of God and the benefits that he's given us. And what are the benefits that are described here? In particular, that uh, he says concerning God, forget, do not forget all his benefits. It says that he forgives all your sins. And this is really the, one of the most important, or maybe, maybe the most important. Because if there's one thing that could keep us from experiencing the goodness of God, it is the fact that we have done wrong against him. And that he takes that seriously. And, but yet, what does he say? He says that he forgives all our sins. He says that he heals all your diseases. Why is there so much struggle and so much misery in the world? It's a result of our sin. But God is turning that around. He's gradually healing that in our lives. And he's the one who ultimately will give us a whole new body that will be perfect and glorious in the new heavens and new earth. He's the one who redeems our life from the pit, as it says. He will redeem your life. He calls you back from death and brings you into to life. When you're wandering away from God, he brings you back. When you are condemned to hell, he gives you heaven as a free gift. When we die, he will raise us up. He redeems our life from the pit. And he crowns you with love and compassion. And so, again, one of the things is we can have all the things. We can be the richest person in the world, but if we don't have love and no one cares about us, then we are indeed miserable people. But we have the love of God. It's like a crown. It's the best thing that we can have, that we have his favor, that we have his friendship, that he cares for us, and that he considers us. And he doesn't just, he doesn't just say, well, you have my love, and now I'm not going to give you anything else either. Because he says he satisfies your desires with good things. The Lord is the one who delights to give good gifts to his people, and he's given us so many good things. If we reflect on it over and over again, He's blessed us with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. That's the command that we are to talk to ourselves of the blessings of God. But then secondly, we are to talk to ourselves of God's goodness. God's goodness. And what does this mean? First of all, it means that the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed in verse 6. So we oftentimes see in this world that things are not the way they're supposed to be. And people do wrong things. People commit wrongs against us. They take things from us that belong to us. And it hurts. And it's painful. But what we see is that the Lord may let it go for a time, but in the end, he's going to work justice. He's going to bring restoration. He works justice for the oppressed. He, I've seen it over and over again. <clears throat> Sometimes I've seen someone do something that's wrong, and then you find that eventually, you know, even in this life, it kind of works itself out. And you find that, that they are able, that they come to recognize that they're the wrong that they have done. But not perfectly in this life. In the end, it will be perfect. But the Lord is the one who works justice. We don't have to be so frustrated with all the people that have done wrongs against us because the Lord is going to work justice for the oppressed. But secondly, the Lord is compassionate. That's, that's how he is described. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And it says in verse 13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion upon us, those who fear him. And you know, it's, it's, 
It's an amazing experience to have, to have a child, and it's a great blessing. And, you know, there's something that the child always has your heart. And, you know, there's a lot of times when I say to my, when I say to my kids, they ask me, I, don't, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I said, well, you've got to figure it out because I know that they can, <laughs> you know, and that they need to see that they have more in them than they think they have in them. And so you let them go. But when you see your child really, truly struggling with something where they need help, you're ready to give. You're ready to say, we're going to meet this need. We're going to be there for you. And, that's, and if you have your parents, not again, in a fallen world, it's not always like this. But in general, even in a fallen world, we can say, well, as a father has compassion on his children, and it makes sense because we know that the parents are the one who are going to be in your corner in a way that nobody else is. That's how God wants to think about us. And even he'll say in another part of the scripture, can a, father, can a mother forget the child at her breast? Yeah, that could happen. That could happen. But not, the, not our Father in heaven. <laughs> you know, sometimes in this world, things go wrong. There's struggles. And I, I know that that's represented in this, this room. And so we say it's not as perfect as we'd like. But we say what we see in parents in general and their care for kids, that's how the Father wants us to think of him. And so we can go to our Father. One, of the, one, one book I read a little while ago was called Miraculous Movements. And it's talking about Muslims who found Christ. And one of the things about, about the Muslims is a lot of times prayer is simply a ritual. And, and, I was, and when I went to Egypt, I, I will say, I was amazed at how devoted they were to this. And, and I think there's something we can learn there too about their devotion to prayer. But what... what Jerry Trousdale in his book, Miraculous Movement, says is that what, what often strikes Muslims the most is that instead of being a ritual, it's a conversation between a child and his father is what prayer is. That's why we begin, our Father who art in heaven. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. That is how we are to think, think of him. And it's a real blessing that it's something that we can easily take for granted. Our knowledge of this truth because we, as we've been in the part of the church, we're familiar with the Christian faith, but that we have a Father who's ready to hear us. But then thirdly, the Lord is forgiving. And so we come back to, to that. Sometimes, sometimes we may feel the hard, that things are hard and difficult, feel like things are against us. And sometimes the, the Father, we, we experience what to us seems the Father's displeasure and we must recognize that some of that is the Father's training of us. Sometimes he takes those who are, are the best and he trains them. And so he puts them through hard things to make them better, just like a good trainer or coach or would do. They let them struggle so that they can become what they're called to be. But what it says is, is that if we might experience this for a small time, that is, not, that is not where the Father ends. It's the training where he might have to show the hard face, but it's for a moment so that we can experience his favor for a, for a lifetime. And we should not think as his people that our sins are not forgiven because it says to us so beautifully in passages you probably heard 
before that he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so he is ready to forgive. His anger lasts for a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. Now, as we look out in the world, we might have a reason to think that this is not true because the world is full of terrible things. And we might wonder, is there really the goodness of God? And so, yes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes people, people have taken this idea that God is, God is love and they've taken it from Christianity. But if you just simply reflect on the world, it's not necessarily a conclusion that you'd come to. Why would you think the Lord is good? Well, we have reason to believe it. We do have reason from creation because his goodness and his mercies fill the earth. In spite of the fact that there are many things that are hard and difficult in the world, yet still the sun rises each day, the seasons hold their place, the crops come, and the Lord fills us with good things. The world is filled with things that taste good and we can enjoy and we can see it and we can look out in the world. It's not just bland and plain. It's beautiful. And so we can enjoy it. So we know the goodness of God from creation. We also know it from the Exodus, which is the time when Israel was taken out of the land of Egypt. And there's a reference to this because it says he made way known his ways to Moses and the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. It might have seemed for a long time that God was against them because they were in slavery for a long time. But then the day came when God worked justice for the oppressed. And he brought them out of Egypt with a strong hand and a mighty arm. And he showed that indeed that he is good and that he is working good things for his people. That's the story of the Exodus. When, after they had come out of Egypt, they sinned against the Lord. And they, instead of worshiping the Lord as he called them to worship, they built a golden calf and they said, this is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt. And the, Lord, the Lord's anger burned against them. And then Moses interceded for them and prayed that God would forgive his people. And then God said, yep, and what, what would you like, Moses? And he said, I want to see your glory. And he said, and God said, I'm going to pass before you, and you're going to see a part of me, but you're not going to see the full glory because you couldn't survive. And so he said, he came before him and he said, the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, uh, and, and so on. That is the revelation, and that is repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament because that is a sense. Here is God as he is, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. And that's how he showed himself to be with his people. That's how he showed himself to be in the Exodus. But above all, we know this from the cross. We know it from the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because though he... Um, though our sins rightly condemn us, though all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, though our wages of sin is death, God, who saw us in our sin when we were opposed to him, demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still uh, ungodly, while we were helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. He, the just suffering for the unjust. Because God loved us, he was against sin. He's for justice. He's not going to just let those things go. And we wouldn't want a God who did. 
but he found a way to accept a substitute that was perfect for us so that we could be forgiven. Christ, the Son of, eternal Son of God, has suffered as a human being so that we could be forgiven. And if he has suffered in our place, the God-man, then what could, we, what could we possibly ask from us that would be any better or any more than what we'd need? It is a full and complete salvation. It is an infinite salvation. It is as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That is how we know. And so what he teaches us is, wherever we've been, whatever we've done, however many sins we've committed, however much we've failed in this week, he always welcomes us back. The arms of the cross are open wide so we can come to him and enjoy and experience his fatherly favor. So don't rest where you are. Come to the Lord. Experience his blessing. Experience his favor. He is ready to receive you. Now as we think about all this, we recognize that we see our own struggles, our own problems. We see the shortness of our life. And he moves to reflect and compare God's goodness to our own weakness. And so let's look at the third thing, which is self-talk of God's faithfulness. And so he says, God knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. We're formed from the dust and we go back to the dust. We're like a flower of the field. We're here one day, we're gone the next. And a lot, behind a lot of our anxiety is the fact of the shortness of our own lives. And the fact that, that our, we're insecure because our position is not secure. But then he moves on to say, but yet there's a bigger story here. We remember the goodness of God, but we also remember the faithfulness of God. Look at verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. And so you see that in the midst of it, God's love doesn't fail. In spite of the fact that we fail, that we fall, God's goodness keeps going on. He keeps doing good to us over and over again, even though we don't deserve it. That's God's faithfulness. But also, it's a story that doesn't just end with us. It's a story that goes on to the generations. He will be with our children and our children's children. And you just heard a great example of it today, of God's work in the generations. Manny and Terry, he's going now to serve in Colombia. But where did that story begin? It begins with his grandfather, who was a pastor, and passed that on to his, his son, and then he to his son. And I'm kind of like you. I was the same way. I have a generation. It's the work of me coming here to be part of, as in this work today, is one that goes back in the generations. And I was also like you, that I said, I'm also not going to go in the ministry. So, and my dad said, don't go into the ministry. <laughs> so, but here I am. So, so, but that's not something that we just started. It's God's story through the generations. And I reckon that it probably goes back even further. And you keep looking back and you see the work of God. And so we can recognize that God is going to keep doing good even after we're gone in ways that we don't even imagine. Now, in verse 19 we see a shift, and that's the fourth and final point. And that is talking to others of God's goodness. You see here that then he moves from how God has been good to him, how God has blessed him, 
to consider and see the big picture. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And so he sees the big picture is that God is doing something big in this world. And so then, um, and then he goes on to call out, praise the Lord, you as angels. Praise the Lord, his heavenly host. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion. Now what happens to us when we are unsure of the goodness of God? Then we struggle within ourselves. It's hard to move out when we have no confidence in the future and God's goodness. But when we do, as the psalmist does, after he's worked through this in his soul, he's filled with the goodness of God, and he's ready to go out and serve and to call everybody to praise the Lord. And so that's what we recognize is if we're not able to move outward, sometimes we have to move inward. We have to say, what is going on inside my heart? And we don't have to do this alone. Remember, even though he's speaking to his soul, it's still a public psalm. It's a song of the church where we come together and we share our burdens and we encourage one another. We see the big picture. We want others to join in the song of praise. It's like the the great church leader, Martin Luther. Martin Luther struggled with seeing the goodness of God. In fact, all he could see was God's wrath. And he felt that he hated God. He said all kinds of stuff like that because he just saw him as an enemy because of his sins. And over and over again, he saw that. And then he, then he finally came to a point was he was reading Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where it said, the just shall live by faith. And he realized what the message of Romans was is that wherever we've been, whatever we've done, however many sins we've committed, if we believe in Jesus, then we can have life and forgiveness. And he saw the goodness of God. It was like heaven open and God's goodness shining down. And what did he do? He started calling everybody everywhere, all throughout Europe and the world, to praise the Lord and to see his goodness. And that's what can happen to us too. When we can speak to our souls of the good news of God's love and forgiveness in Christ, and we can see that he's for us in spite of what we deserve because of what he's done through Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, then that can enable us to move outward as well. And so you see, The Lord is the one who satisfies your desires with good things. It's so many things. He is the one who fills us up. He's the one who forgives us. He's the one who leads us. After I I had gone and reflected on Psalm 103, I was able much more clearly to see the goodness of God. And we can see it in a lot of things. So just one example. So Saturday, Saturday afternoon... Anna and I went over to the Unicentro uh, Mall or Centro Comercial, and there we, there, there we decided we were going to eat. And we looked, and there was a Peruvian buffet that was, that was just a, a few blocks away. And it was like, it was, it was prepared in a masterful way. Every single dish was just absolutely amazing. And, and, and we were able to sit there in this upscale hotel and enjoy this. And Anna, who struggles with eating things because of her allergies and stuff, was enjoying every single one of it. And there we were, sitting in this buffet, enjoying this like meal spread out before us, able to do it because we were able to travel. Um, all the things that had led to that, 
There I was with my daughter, and it was like the Lord was filling my soul with good things. And it was like, it's just a reminder of little things like that, just those amazing things to remind me to say, praise the Lord, O my soul. I don't deserve any of this. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. And that enabled me to be filled with the Lord, and it can do for you. So as you're struggling, come back to this psalm. See the goodness of God. Seek him in prayer. Seek a friend. Share it together. And keep doing it until you can be ready to say your soul, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen.